Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I got uh, 1% milk and I got a bag of Chip Ahoy cookies. <laughs> That's my go-to. A <laughs> little bit of music, but my chip always and my 1% milk, faithful. The blue bag, Nabisco, you can't dip the chunky style. You got to have the blue bag. The chunky style, no, the chunky, the chunky style is too thick. It's the chocolate bag. You got to dip the blue bag. The red kind is the chewy kind. I majored in that in college. Thank you. Look, chocolate chip cookies are good no matter how they're made, where they're made, or who makes them. But, but, I love the 1% milk, specifically 1% milk. I said this during the break. It is the great compromise between milk that tastes like milk and milk that tastes like water. It's halfway between with 1%. And, you know, if you're going to eat a whole bag of chocolate chip cookies, you should go with a more sensible option. It's like getting a giant cheeseburger and a bucket of fries and having a Diet Coke. You've got to cut your calories where you can. I guess so. Although, I mean, speaking of giant cheeseburgers, I, I would much rather be Andy Reid and celebrate with a cheeseburger than Todd Bowles with some second-rate chocolate chip cookies. Actually, let's call it fourth-rate chocolate chip cookies. Man, all those things, you, know, you just get them in the grocery store, right? I want a bakery-style, big-ass chocolate chunk cookie. That's how I used to celebrate like, when I would finish exams. I was at school at Columbia and I'd go and I'd get one of these big ass chocolate chunk cookies and it would be wonderful. That's what I'm talking about. It's this chocolate chip chips. Ahoy. Get out of here, man. You're better than that. Todd well, Bowles. Come on. Miles. I should have told you during the break, we're in the process of negotiating a sponsorship with chip Ahoy and now you've just blown it. So oh, thank no. you. Thank you so no. much for that. Um, playing the role of Miles Simmons next Monday will be Shereen Williams. Um, uh, by the way, speaking of sponsors, I forgot to say at the top of the show that PFT Live is presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. I don't think they've gotten rid of us yet, which means they've never really watched the show. So, <laughs> so 
please, hopefully the New Year's resolution for the folks at Google is not to watch the show. So Google Pixel, learn more at googlestore.com, and go ahead and have a chip ahoy if you want a chip ahoy. I am a firm believer that chocolate chip cookies are like pizza. When it's good, it's really good, and when it's bad, it's still pretty good because it's got chocolate in it. So uh, I may go get some chip ahoy, chip ahoy, chip ahoy today. Okay, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You don't even know chips that ahoy. I the name is it of the chips cookie. ahoy chips. or chip ahoy? Chips ahoy. I I don't know. Yeah, Oreos. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, <laughs> they're having their chips ahoy down in Tampa last night because they said ahoy on the pirate ship of vast ye matey. The Buccaneers beat the Carolina Panthers. It was another one of those games because it's so funny. I mean, I mean, Chris Sims and I don't I don't want to divulge secrets of the screening room, but I don't think Chris would would uh, be upset. Because I think we've said it on this show, we're kind of sick of Tom Brady and the Buccaneers because they keep kind of urinating down their leg. And are they good? Are they not good? I mean, when is this all going to fall apart? And we're just kind of sick of this whole constant drama. And uh, yeah, I, you know, I think there may have been some some open celebration in the screening room from a very large, blonde-haired, big-headed man when the Panthers were up fourteen nothing. But I was like, mm, you, you know how it goes. You know what happens. Tom Brady and company find a way. They just find a way. And if you're not going to defend Mike Evans, if you're just going to assume if he gets open, he's going to drop it like he did when they met the first time in Charlotte, you're going to get burned multiple times by Mike Evans and Tom Brady. And that's exactly what happened. And look, it doesn't matter when you wake up. As long as you wake up, you can hit the snooze 50 times. As long as you wake up and get to work on time, you are on time. And the Bucks are on time, and they're in the playoffs. And I don't think anybody wants to be that five seed and go to Tampa Bay and face the team that did what they did yesterday with 432 passing yards from that 45-year-old quarterback. With 14.50 left in the game, the Panthers took a 21 to 10 lead. And I think I texted the PFT text chain. Uh, is Brady going to do this again? Is he going to pull it out of his rear end again? And lo and behold, it was a minute of game time later that Brady hit Mike Evans with another long touchdown. And then I think another three minutes or so later in game time, they had taken the lead with another Tom Brady long touchdown to Mike Evans. It's like at a certain point, you know, Panthers, what the hell are you doing? Double that guy. Don't just leave you know, C.J. Henderson to be left alone in barbecue chicken. Like, what are you doing? And I know Steve Wilk said after the game that there were times where there was supposed to be safety help over the top, and for whatever reason, it just didn't quite get there in time. But my gosh, I mean, Tom Brady, I saw this yesterday. He was 12 for 13 for 166 yards, two touchdowns, which is worth a perfect 158.3 rating in the fourth quarter. So, you know what? Hey, uh, if that's the way the Buccaneers are going to play, then that makes them dangerous. But they have not been playing like that for most of the season, even when it's been like Tom Brady finding the way to pull the rabbit out of his hat at the end of the game. That one was more of a dominant fourth quarter victory than it was like, oh, wow, the Bra- the, the, the Brady's, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just were able to do it. Just call, call them the Brady's at this point. It's funny. I, mean, I, I went back through. The, the PFT writer's text thread. And one thing I concluded is, gosh, we, we, we send each other a lot of text messages over the course of a Sunday and, and yeah. every other day, but especially on Sunday. But I found it. Panthers touchdown. Brady's going to have to pull another one out of his ass. That was Miles Simmons yesterday at 317. <laughs> 
p.m. Five minutes later, my response, all caps, Evans, uh, which yep. was the first touchdown that cut it to 21-16. They failed the two-point conversion try, but the next thing you know, they were up by nine, and they held on to win the game, and they win the division, and off they go. Evans was incredible. Brady was incredible. He's tied Drew Brees for the all-time 300-yard games, 131, including playoffs, 300-yard games, and he's one behind Drew Brees for the total number of 400-yard games plus three touchdown passes. Sometimes the statistical achievements the NFL puts out there are very specific, but he's one behind Drew Brees for 400 yards plus three touchdown passes, uh, and Tom Brady just keeps getting it done. And, again, he said at least once in the past week he's not thinking about retirement. It's the furthest thing from his mind. Why would you retire? Steve Young made a great point three or four weeks ago. Whenever the Buccaneers came back and beat the Saints, down 16-3, the most dangerous lead in football now, because that was the same week that the Rams were down 16-3 and came back and won. Guys retire because they can't do it anymore, not because they don't want to do it. They retire because they can't do it. Tom Brady can still do it. One of the reasons Brett Favre came back and played, he heard Phil Simms on Sirius XM NFL Radio saying, I decided I'm going to play until they pull the uniform off of me. And if Tom Brady's going to make that decision at some point, well, he's got five years left in him. When is that arm going to go? It isn't showing any signs of going anywhere. So why would you stop? Why would you stop? Why would you? He said when he was Sportsman of the Year, I think 2021, late in the year, he said something along the lines of this to John Wertheim. Um, I, I, I don't want to watch football games and say, those guys suck. I can do better than them. Well, when you've already signed on to broadcast games for Fox and you're going to see guys play every week and you're going to be studying film, and he's already doing the grumpy old man, get off my lawn, football is bad, there's a lot of bad football, football stinks, why why would you stop? Why would you quit when you're playing at this level? And I know that it takes a while to get the engine going, but once it gets going, as you said, 12 or 13 down the stretch with a perfect passer rating. If he's still capable of doing that, who cares how he plays in the first three quarters of the game? Well, I mean, I think that there's reason to care how you play in the first three quarters if you, you know, fall way behind and there's not enough time to go make that come back in the fourth quarter. They were just they, – they, they flipped the switch when they needed to flip the switch, right? And it wasn't just, oh, the last couple of drives. Like I said, it, it was really a dominant fourth quarter. And that, and that it's been – for them, like a kind of dominant last couple of drives in a lot of these games, that game against the Rams, that that game against Arizona, right? It, it's just, it hasn't been that. And I think that's what the difference is. And so we'll, we'll see if they can put that together in the postseason. But, I mean, you know, we talked about the Raiders earlier. If Tom Brady wants to go play for the Las Vegas Raiders next year and have Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and Foster Moreau and a system that he's very familiar with, it makes sense to me. Makes a ton of sense to me. And remember, it was three years ago that supposedly UFC president Dana White was working, you know, tampering galore was happening with Tom Brady. And ultimately, the <laughs> yes. Dolphins got whacked for it. But they were hardly alone. The Buccaneers blatantly tampered with Tom Brady. I mean, Bruce Arians said at the scouting combine that Brady's one of the guys they're going to call. That's a tampering violation on its face. And behind the scenes, they were talking to Brady. And then they did this very careful, orchestrated media blitz where they let multiple national reporters know at the same time. And I think Rick Stroud as well locally, the idea that 
Oh, well, we didn't even talk to him until we have... <laughs> tampering was rampant and it'll be rampant again this year. And the Raiders will go after him. And the only reason it didn't happen three years ago is because John Gruden said no. That's it. Josh McDaniels Oops. will not say no if Tom Brady wants to come play for the Raiders. Well, hey, Kyle Shanahan admitted it when they played the Bucks a few weeks ago. We all were yeah. wrong. We all thought yes. he was slipping in 2019. The 49ers said no. They'd have two Super Bowls right now, at least one, maybe two, if they'd have said yes to Tom Brady after the 2019 season. So uh, if Brady wants to keep going, why would you say no? And the other side of it, too, Miles, it's a business. Brady's going to put asses in the seats. We showed that that highlight of the Devontae Adams catch, and you could see in the background all the red, all the 49ers fans who had infiltrated Allegiant Stadium. That's all going to be silver and black if Tom Brady's the quarterback of the Raiders. Uh, they're going to fill that place up. They're going to sell a crap load. I'm trying not to say the S word, at least for now. That's, that's not a New Year's resolution. I'm just not feeling it right now. But they're going to sell a ton of Tom Brady silver and black 12 jerseys. If it gets yes. to that point, is twelve even available? Absolutely. Is Ken Stabler? Did Ken Stabler? Why am I? Why am I blanking on this? Is 12, I'm always worried. Is twelve going to be available? They'll find a way to make it available. The Raiders don't retire any jerseys. Twelve will be available uh, to Tom Brady if he goes there, and they will sell a ton of those jerseys. Whatever number they put on it, they'll sell a ton of it as long as Brady's on the back. So my point is, they're going to keep rolling. They're going to be dangerous in the playoffs. I think the wake up call comes earlier in the playoff game. And, and, again, there's just something. Brady transforms. You can see it. You can sense it come through the TV. He becomes a different guy when he knows it's go time. He just does. It's like the, uh, the when Lloyd Bridges was on side, it's go time. Miles, another reference you don't get because you haven't watched Seinfeld. But it's go time for the old man. And it'll be go time from the minute the game starts when they host whoever, whether it's the Eagles, the Cowboys, or whoever the five seeds is. It's going to be one of those two teams that's going to Tampa Bay coming up here in the next two weeks. All right. The Giants punched their ticket. The Giants destroyed the Colts. And I regret on the joint Chris Sims Unbuttoned PFTPM Picks podcast last week, I gave Sims a chance to put his hand back on the checker. He had already picked the Colts to cover. And I made the case of why I thought the Giants were going to kill the Colts. And in some crazy-ass act of holiday season charity, I said to Chris, I'll let you, because I persuaded him. I said, I'll let you go back and change your pick to the Giants covering the spread. And he did. So Uh I'm a dumbass. I let him do it. And the Giants win 38-10. to um, And the Giants are to the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Brian Dayball, great performance taking a roster that was overmatched. Joe Shane as well, coming in and making just the right additions with those two top 10 picks they had, shoring up the offensive line and shoring up the pass rush. And it's 38 to 10. The Giants peaking at the right time. The Colts in the toilet. And the Giants will be the sixth seed. And they may get a chance to go back to Minnesota and get a little redemption for that Christmas Eve a 61-yard field goal game that it felt like they should have won, could have won, and would have won, but ultimately didn't win. Yeah, I mean, I think Brian Dayball's done a really, really good job with that team. I mean, getting the most out of Daniel Jones, Mike Kafka, now might be a pretty good head coaching candidate for some different teams just based on what he's been able to do with that offense, not just with Jones, but also reviving 
um, the career of Saquon Barkley, right? But I mean, when Daniel Jones is running for nearly 100 yards in that game, my gosh, like what does that say about the Colts, man? You get Brian Dayball with the little Gatorade shower. That was pretty cool too. But the, the Colts are terrible and you've got a, a good motivated team with the Giants that I don't know if they're really going to make a deep run in the postseason, but I, I don't see why they can't go to Minnesota and make it a really competitive game and perhaps come away with a win there. I mean, just based on what Minnesota's been putting out there, you know, they got a negative 19-point differential with your Minnesota Vikings. The Giants could go in there and win. Well, look, the Giants' biggest weakness is the receiver position. Well, the Vikings' biggest weakness is covering receivers. And on that Christmas Eve game from nine days ago, they, they, they made the Giants' receivers look like Jerry Rice and, and John Taylor in their prime. Uh, so I think the Giants will, will be – and again, this is the whole psychology of being the team that's the road team, the team that's supposed to lose. How the Giants may be favored in that game. The Vikings may be a home underdog. <laughs> in the playoffs. I don't know about I, they're that. They're a one-point favorite. Listen listen to me. They're a one-point favorite at Chicago. The Bears are 3-13. and 13. The Vikings are 12-4. and four, And the Vikings are a one-point favorite at Soldier Field on Sunday. And as, as ridiculous as that sounds, I'll probably pick the Bears to win that game when the time comes later well, this week. Uh, here's Saquon I mean, Barkley. Due to, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the, the I was going to throw to the, the south, Vikings. I'll let you say something. Thank you very much. But the the Vikings are you know they they're locked into a home playoff game. They're not going to get home field advantage. So I mean that's kind of the issue there. I mean the Bears they still want to do enough to you know make things look good for Justin Fields going into the offseason. But anyway, here's Saquon Barkley uh, talking about that win yesterday. I feel like I've been saying it all year. Uh, he's a heck of a player, heck of a quarterback. Uh, I think it really showed. Not just today, but the whole season, and I'm um, just happy for him. You know, hearing that, hear his name get chanted, um, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And people, you can finally see he's starting to get the respect that he earns. Um, I know everyone you know, want to be a big critic of him and say this and say that, but uh, he gave us the opportunity to play playoff football, and he locked it in today. Um, when we need him most, he locked, when we need him most, he came up and made big plays. You guys don't see this, but you know, you know, I get here pretty early. Um, but every single time I get here, I get up early. There's there's a car that's going to be there before me, and it's Daniel Jones. Like he's the first one in, last one to leave. Like he really lives that like that mentality. Like he has that mentality, and he's tough. Um, he's a heck of a player, a heck of a guy, a heck of a teammate. And, and um, you know, he's our he's he's our captain, he's our leader. And when you have that guy at the quarterback position, um, you believe you can win any game. They will glass half full this as much as they can, but the reality is they surely regret not picking up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones. But they would say the fact that we didn't pick up the fifth-year option was one of the reasons why he went out and had such a great season. Well, okay, if that's the case, then why would you sign him to a new contract if you think, you know, without the motivation, he's not going to be as good? I mean, you get twisted up in knots pretty quickly if you try to justify the decision not to pick up the fifth-year option. The bottom line is they may have to use the franchise tag on him and they got both Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones heading toward free agency. You're going to have to sign one so you can use the franchise tag on the other if you're inclined to do so. Good problems to have. 
Good problems to have. The only good problems are no problems, but it is a problem, good or otherwise, for the Giants to have two of your most important players heading toward free agency and going to the playoffs and playing in January as other teams who are making their list of who they're going to pursue in free agency can sit back and watch Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and maybe fall in love with either or both guys. But Jones getting it done. Barkley getting it done, although yesterday only had 58 rushing yards. They didn't need a big day from him. That's how good the Giants have gotten. You you know, early on it was like, okay, well, if Saquon Barkley can come out and play like he did as a rookie when he had 2,000 yards from scrimmage, maybe the Giants can be decent. When you get to the point where you don't have to have a big day from Barkley, but you still kick the crap out of a team, and I know it was just the Colts, but they're still an NFL team. You're, look, any given Sunday still applies, or Monday or Thursday or Saturday, whenever they play games. It still applies. An NFL team can always beat another NFL team. To kick the crap out of the Colts without Saquon Barkley having a big day just shows you how good this Giants team has become under Brian Dayball, Miles. Yeah, good, good teams keep bad teams losing, right? That, that's what good teams are supposed to do. You can beat a team in different ways if you're a good team and kick the crap out of them as – um the Giants did yesterday if you know what your plan is and you understand the way that team is going to try to defend you and you have things to counter that that's what I mean by Mike Kafka and the job that he's doing as the offensive play caller they understood that the that the Colts would probably try to take Saquon Barkley away that they have a decent run defense I mean that's something that you know for all the Colts faults the defense hasn't been that awful all season long right but when you have a good counter to that and you have Daniel Jones running ability, then that's where you can say, yeah, we know how we can beat this team, and that's how we're going to implement it. So, yeah, credit goes to them for doing what they needed to do. And, you know, I mentioned how the Giants will have to glass half full their decision not to pick up the franchise tag or or the fifth-year option, excuse me, on Daniel Jones. Uh, It's going to be harder and harder for Jim Irsay to glass half full Jeff Saturday's performance as interim coach to make him the permanent coach. There's been this sense that Irsay is going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. It's getting harder and harder to make the case to anyone that Jeff Saturday should be the permanent head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Let's take a break. Both the Patriots and the Steelers find a way to stay alive in the quest for the last spot in to the AFC playoff field. We'll talk about that when this Monday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... 
I have a charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Bill, was a uh, New Year's resolution this year to get a win? Um, yeah, sure. Wow, that's as happy as you ever see Bill Belichick. There was actually a little bit of a smirk there. Not quite a yeah. smile, but a little smirk from Bill Belichick as the Patriots turn things around. They've had a rough stretch recently. It hadn't gone well. It goes well, and they are back in the seventh spot in the AFC after beating the Dolphins, who didn't have Tua Tonga-Vailoa, lost Teddy Bridgewater during the game with what I'm told is believed to be a broken finger in his throwing hand, which means it'll be Skylar Thompson in week 18 for the Dolphins at quarterback most likely. But the Patriots keep it alive. They control their path. Of course, they have to beat the Bills in Buffalo. We know how that went the last time the Patriots went to Buffalo, 47-17 to in the playoffs last year. But the Patriots, they, they have all they could have asked for going into the week, an opportunity to get to the playoffs if they can close out the season with a victory, Miles. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting, too, to see how the Bills approach next week, right? Because a lot hinges on, A, the outcome of this game tonight between the Bengals and the Bills, and then the outcome of that first game of Week 18, which is going to be between uh, the Raiders and the Chiefs. So, you know, in theory, if the Bills win tonight and then the Chiefs lose that game to Jarrett Siddham's Raiders, then the Bills have already locked up the number one seed. If the Bills lose tonight and then the Chiefs win in that game, then, well, the Bills are going to be number two or number three, right? So it, you may or may not get that same sort of juice from the Bills, uh, depending on what happens. So I, I don't know. It, it's going to be really interesting to see. See, and there, there used to be, in the NFL, an obsession with ensuring that all the games that had tentacles connecting each other were happening yeah. at the same time right. in the final week of the season. All the games were played on Sunday, and they structured it. They handpicked it so you know you wouldn't have the Chiefs game resolved before the Bills would be playing the Patriots to enhance the competitive integrity, to ensure that everyone is trying to win, that nothing is undermined, nothing is diluted. But as always, the almighty dollar intervenes. The big mamu takes over. Oh, we can get a little more money out of ESPN if we give them a couple of games on Saturday. Oh, well, so what if it undermines some of the games on Sunday? So what if the Chiefs win? Or the Chiefs lose, excuse me. I've screwed up the complete point here. If the Chiefs lose and the Bills aren't really trying to win and the Patriots win and they get in and that keeps the Steelers from maybe sneaking in because the Bills have decided that they aren't playing as hard as they should. I think you're going to have a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a, if it ever gets po posed this way to anyone in power, oh, every team always tries to win every game no matter what. And we know what happens. We know teams are going to take advantage of an opportunity to rest starters if they can. Uh, or, or maybe not go as hard if they don't have to. It's just reality. It's human nature. So that's unfortunate if it comes down to it. 
because I, I just I, I don't want the Patriots to get in because they beat a Bills team that doesn't trot out their best players and doesn't give their best effort to try to win the game. Yeah, that would be unfortunate. But, you know, I mean, it, it also is sort of the reality of what the schedule is at this point. And frankly, even if the Patriots win and they happen to be the seventh seed, I mean, whether they go to at Chiefs or at Bengals or at Bills, I think either one of those teams is going to beat the brakes off of them. Well, that's right. But if any team is going to give you a potential issue in the postseason, it's a team that's got the coaching equivalent of Tom Brady, a guy who's been there and done that over and over and over again and isn't going to freak out under the single elimination pressure of a playoff game. On and, defense, and again, remember last year. Really, last year they went to Buff. They went to Buffalo and lost forty-seven to seventeen, even I'm with saying. that defense. So, look, it's the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak in New England. Uh, and and the coaching this year hasn't been as good. We just assume it's always going to be buttoned up and everything's going to be great. And what did we see against the Raiders a couple of weeks ago in in a loss that they should have won, where this week wouldn't even matter. They'd already be locked in if they wouldn't have blown that game. All right, the Steelers somehow, and I saw this this morning. This is one of those where I woke up. Sometimes I'll get up at 6 o'clock Eastern and definitely have time to post a story or maybe two before it's time to get into full show prep mode and show up here three minutes before we start, if if that early. Uh, today was one of those, well, 6.15, 6.20. Do I really have enough time to post a story? But I saw a tweet from Chris Adamski of the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, which made me decide I have to get this written before it's time to go up to the show, and that is this. The Steelers now... Three times since 2006 have started the year six and two and responded by going. Did I say six and two? They started two and six and responded by going six and two. That's what I meant to say. Started two and six three times. Oh, six Bill Cowers last year, 2013, when they actually started oh and four and then went two and six. And this year, two and six and got blown out by the Bills blown out by the Eagles, had their bye week at 2-6, and six, and well, hey, good luck, Mike Tomlin, avoiding your first ever losing season with a 2-6 and six start, and here they are, 6-2. and two. And their two losses were by one score at home against division rivals. It has to drive them crazy. They blew that game, 37-30 against the Bengals, 16-14 against the Ravens. But 6-2 and two over the most recent eight games, and now in position to finish above 500. Whether they get in or not, the idea that they can finish above 500 after the way they started is amazing, and they still can get in. If the Bills beat the Patriots and the Jets beat the Dolphins and the Steelers beat your Browns, the Steelers are in. Unbelievable if it happens. Yeah, well, look, I mean, that's that's why Mike Tomlin is so highly regarded as a head coach because this is what he does. Right? This is what that team has done under him. I mean, there's a reason why people speak the way they do about Mike Tomlin. They just don't really lose. They never really bottom out. I mean, think about that season where Ben Roethlisberger injured the elbow. They're starting dudes named Duck Hodges out there, and they still come away (laughs) with a non-losing season. I mean, a quarterback named Duck, are you out of your mind? So this is not really a shock to me. I mean, I I remember when they were two and six, and I'm looking at the schedule, and then they start winning. I'm like, you know, it – it's not a given that they're going to finish with a losing season or with a losing record. So I don't know what they're going to do next week. The Browns played better yesterday. I don't necessarily know that that means that they're going to beat the Steelers in a situation where the Steelers could possibly go to the postseason. But if for anybody that wants to say bad stuff about Mike Tomlin, those Steeler fans, man, like just look at the results. He gets it done. 
Devlin Duck Hodges, undrafted, 2019. He was kind of a big deal in Pittsburgh when they were winning games and he was making it happen. I remember he came down here to West Virginia during a day off to do some hunting, and that was a big deal locally. Oh, Duck Hodges oh. in town. I mean, Duck Hodges, was, Duck Hodges was becoming a thing. You know what he did after 2019? And this is not, not a knock a on Duck thing. Hodges. It just shows you how fleeting. Well, no, not, not quite. He was with your L.A. Rams for part <laughs> of the offseason and or on the practice squad in, in 2021. And then he signed on to play for the Ottawa Red Blacks of the uh, Canadian oh. Football League. That was 2021. 2022, no Duck Hodges sighting in football anywhere, even with. The USFL back, no Duck Hodges, and XFL coming up. I don't see any note that Duck Hodges is on any XFL roster. So Duck Hodges uh, is no longer part of the football universe. And yes, they got to eight eight and one that year. Well, no, 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 not eight eight and one. Oh, eight, uh, eight. That was eight and eight twenty in twenty nineteen. There was still only this whole sixteen seventeen game thing has me all. I know. But I hate regardless, it. this year they got a chance to get to nine and eight and have that winning record or tie the Browns and get to eight, eight and one and have a non-losing season yet again. It's been since 2003, I believe it was 2003. It was the last time the Steelers actually had a losing record. And, and look, Hey, if they get in, they got in last year and I got all juiced up oh, on the did. idea yeah, of the Steelers going to Kansas city and beating the chiefs. And they were up seven, nothing. There was a TJ Watt fumble recovery for a touchdown. And, <laughs> and then the, the, then the chiefs, Completely and totally blew the doors off of the Steelers, knocked the wheels off of the axles, busted the windows. There was nothing left. It was a burned-out shell of a 1976 Chevy by the time the Chiefs were done with the Steelers that night. But at least there was a little while where it felt like maybe they would win. Uh, so that's, that's the thing about the playoffs. We get so caught up in this chase to be the last team in the Indiana Jones that slides under the stone and reaches back and grabs his hat and just gets in more often than not. <laughs> that team is a well, distant memory by the time we're talking about the championship games. Yeah. The, the two seven matchups are not very good, which is kind of why it's like, well, why did we really need to do that? I mean, last year, the, the, I almost said the Patriots, my God, the Brady's, the Buccaneers, beat the breaks off the Eagles too. So, you know, those two seven matchups were great last year. I don't know that they'll be very good this year either. The big mammo. That's why we have two versus seven now in only one team getting a bye in each conference. Let's take uh, a break. When we return more on that chase to be the last team in, in the NFC and quite possibly the first team out of the NFC playoff field, especially if the 49ers are the prize that you get for becoming the seventh seed in the NFC. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. I mean, seriously, you get to go to Lambeau, uh, historic Lambeau, uh, where the, the tops in this division has been Green Bay every year for years. And and to go earn your right, you know, uh, to potentially get in. Even if you do get that win, doesn't mean you're guaranteed to get in. I know this, we're guaranteed to get one more week. And uh, and so I just think this is as special as it gets. I mean, I just don't think you'd want it any other way. 
Well, if it's the primetime game next week, the Lions may already be out by the time they play the Packers at Lambeau Field. And historically, the Lions have had a hard time winning at Lambeau Field and kind of a tough situation when all the Packers need to do is win and they are in the postseason field. But the Lions took care of business after getting shredded on the ground last week by the Carolina Panthers. The Lions destroyed the Bears 41-10. to It was kind of close early, and we were saying during the break, if the Bears didn't have Justin Fields, they quite possibly would be winless right now. They're 3-13 and with one of the best, most dynamic quarterbacks in football on their roster, and they have a great obligation in the offseason to upgrade that roster around him. But the Lions were dominant. The Lions have turned it around. And, you know, every year you get a couple of these teams that find the gas pedal late and some get in and some don't. And the Lions could be very dangerous in the postseason, but between them and the Packers, one of them will not get in. And there's a chance that neither will get in if the Seahawks win and then the Lions go to Green Bay and pull off a victory. It's Seattle, the weakest of those three teams right now, frankly, that could end up getting in if the Lions do pull off the upset and if the Seahawks beat the Rams at home. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but if you're the Lions, I, I, I kind of feel like no matter what happens, after you started the season the way you did, 1-6, to, to go and to play the way that they have, through the stretch. I mean, the only bad game that they've had really in the last however many weeks was when they went down to, to Charlotte and got blasted by the Panthers. And frankly, that was kind of a surprise to me, just the way that they played because they've been so darn competitive in each one of these games. I mean, like we said about um, the Giants a few segments ago, whenever it was, you know, good teams keep the losing teams losing. That's what the, the Lions were able to do yesterday. They really just absolutely blasted the Chicago Bears. That's a division rival. That's not necessarily easy to do, even as bad as the Bears have been. So you feel good about yourself, I feel like, if you're the Detroit Lions. You get some upgrades on defense. You, know, you keep building that thing in the way that you've been doing it. And there, there's really good reason for optimism for 2023, regardless of what happens in this last week of the season, I think. Yeah, I agree with you completely, and and that's why even if that's the primetime game and the Seahawks beat the Rams, as they will be expected to do, the Lions will still go out there with that. I mean, look, hey, guys, we're playing in primetime in the last week of the season. Let's go out there and let's stick it. This is our playoff game. This is our Super Bowl. This is our closing statement for what yeah. was a memorable year. Let's go out there and let's get it done. And if you can't motivate players under those circumstances to go out there and leave everything they have on the field as if it is the last time they were playing football, uh, you, you got no business being a coach in the NFL. And Campbell, I think, will be able to motivate his guys appropriately. So I have a feeling that's the game we're going to have, and it should be a fun game to watch if that's the case. So the Lions do what they have to do. They get the win. Jamal Williams, 144 rushing yards and a touchdown. Jared Goff still looking the part as the guy who isn't My just guy. going to be gone after they get out from under his contract. They stick uh, with Jared Goff most likely moving forward, and next year could be a very big year for the Lions. All right, the Seahawks get revenge. Pete Carroll once fired by the Jets a long time ago. Geno Smith rejected by the Jets early in his career. Geno Smith wakes up from a funk that he'd been in. Not that his numbers were tremendous, but it was enough to get the win. 23-6, Mike White back for the Jets. The Jets are just, they, they, they just, they, they, they've just lost it. They're just like the Dolphins. They've just, great start, 
but then fell apart down the stretch. And that's where the Jets are. The Jets are now eliminated. But 7-9 and nine is a great season. Even if they lose this week, 7-10, and 10, it's more than anyone thought. The problem is they raised expectations by starting so strong. And I, I hope Woody Johnson doesn't do anything rash because I think the Jets are on the right track. And I think they are a quarterback away from being a force in the AFC. Yeah, you know, I, I was disappointed with the way Mike White played yesterday. I mean, he had the early pick out of digs, and it just never seemed to go right after that. And, you know, you just kind of wonder what would have happened if Mike White didn't get hurt, you know, if he could have stayed in the rhythm and stayed, you know, with that offense and kind of progressed a little bit more. But unfortunately, it's just not the way things worked out. So, yeah, the, the Jets need to do something about their quarterback position, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo in free agency or somebody else. Um, but I don't know how really good they're going to feel about this season, either finishing eight and nine or seven and 10 after the way that they started, you know, where you've got Robert solid talking about, Oh man, we're going to keep these receipts after they play the bills. We're going to see them again. And then to finish the way that they finished, it just, that, that that's disappointing. It just is. They've got to figure out this Zach Wilson thing. Jay Glazer reported last weekend that they're done with Zach Wilson. One of the Sunday splash reports from week 17 from NFL media was that they have no plans to try to trade. I mean, come on, Jets, don't play this game. Just move on from the guy. Remove the Band-Aid. Don't play the we're going to be coy. And we know every time a team says they have no intention to trade a guy, that's just the precursor to trading him. And I know that <laughs> you have no leverage if you don't act like you're going to keep the guy. That Don't do that to your fan base. Just move on from Zach Wilson. Move forward. They may be able to get Derek Carr. How would you feel about the Jets with everything they have defensively? If they could plug in Derek Carr as their quarterback, I'd feel pretty good about the Jets for next year. Yeah, I would too. I mean, I think that that probably is a good fit. I think that he could be a part of that offense. And, you know, if they get Brees Hall back and they can run the ball effectively, then you let um, Derek Carr do the things that he can do and work with those guys, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson. I think that they would be in much better shape. And look, I I love a good story, right? That's what I always root for. Good stories are good for our business. Mike White was a great story. But but when you have games like yesterday, they're not going to be wearing the Mike effing White t-shirts anymore. You're not going to have that buzz. You get there by winning. You get there by having great performances. You prove it week in and week out. When you are an ascending player, you have to continue the ascension in order to continue the buzz. The moment you start looking ordinary or worse is the moment that people are going to move on to something else, and that's the way it is. And the Jets will likely move on to someone else. You can't justify saying, I mean, to that fan base, and I know that that they love Mike White in large part because they hate Zach Wilson. I'm talking about the fans. Um, But that's not necessarily or not even close to being the answer if you're trying to finally break out of this funk that the franchise has been in, especially in a year with so many quarterbacks available. I can't imagine standing pat with any of the quarterbacks they currently have when there are so many who will be available. Another team that may be looking for a new batch of quarterbacks after the season, although who knows, maybe they have something in Sam Howell, and maybe we'll find out this week now that the commanders are eliminated. We'll break down what... Miles Cleveland Browns did to the commanders to knock them out of the playoff chase when this Monday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. There he is. 
This is why the original Hogs were planning to sue, and I would join them as a co-plan if for emotional harm in just seeing that monstrosity. Why is it that everything the Commanders do uh, is uh, Major oh. Turdy? Because that's Major Tutty. You, do you like that? Do you like that mascot? Huh? I, I don't know. I, it, doesn't, it doesn't bother me. First of all, I don't like mascots again? in Come general. Come on, let's see it again. Yeah, Major, Major Tutty. Well, but. I asked my it's, buddy because <laughs> he, he, one of my I best think friends. Is I think Major Tutty's getting ready to make a Major Turdy right there. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, dude, did you name this? Because uh, you're the only person I've ever heard like say Tutty this much. He was like, yeah, that's funny. So, yeah, I guess that's where we are with uh, the commanders. That was probably the only positive yeah. thing that they really did yesterday was introducing a new mascot because, oh, goodness. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing was bad. It, it felt sluggish from the get-go. They made the decision after careful deliberation to pivot back to Carson Wentz after Taylor Heineke had come in and really turned the season around. I get the understanding. I get the idea. I get the strategy. But Carson Wentz was the Carson Wentz we've we've come to know all too well. Three interceptions, and the commanders are out. And this week's game, meaningless for the commanders, meaningful for the Cowboys. We thought it was going to be the other way around. We thought it was going to be maybe right. the Cowboys laying down and the Commanders getting in. If they had beaten the Browns, that's all it would have taken. And the Cowboys probably gladly would have laid down if they could, but they can't now for the Commanders to keep Aaron Rodgers out. But that's not how it played out. And, uh, look, Ron Rivera has been a two-time coach of the year. But for the ninth time in his 12 years as a head coach, his team won't have a winning record. And the last time he had a winning record was in 2017. And he handpicked this Washington job. I and, and I still think he's one of the best things the franchise has going for it, given yeah. all the dysfunction emanating from the top of the organization. But at some point, at some point, somebody's going to make a change. And, and, and I, I, I hope he gets a little more time to prove himself because he has done very well through a storm of dysfunction that has been a distraction in the locker room. How can it not be? But players have talked about it this year. But, yeah. but man, I just... It's it's not it's not good enough. It's you know the outcome isn't good enough. They had a nice stretch, but at some point you've got to get to the postseason, and they just haven't for a while. It's a results-oriented business, and that's the unfortunate thing about it for for Ron Rivera right now. I mean, when you go back to Carson Wentz, and he has this result where it was just really really ugly. I mean, they were chanting for Heineke after the second series. I mean, I mean, this is just the kind of thing that we've seen from Carson Wentz forever and ever, where he's making bad decisions, or he's doing arm punts down the field into double coverage. Why are you doing that? I mean, toward the end of the game, it's 24 to 10 Cleveland, yes, and you're just trying to make a play, sure, but again, you're throwing it deep into double coverage. Finishes the game 16 to 28 for 143 yards, three interceptions, and a 31.4 passer rating. That's an awful passer rating, okay? So... I don't really understand why they didn't go back to, to Heineke in the second half. I mean, the only good thing that Washington did offensively was a 21-play drive that ended on fourth down in goal where Carson Wentz stretched the ball over the goal line for, for a one-yard touchdown. I mean, other than that, they didn't do anything good offensively, and it starts with the QB, and then that means it starts with the QB decision, which goes back to Ron Rivera. Here he is on hearing the Heineke chants and also whether or not the head coach of the commanders considered making a quarterback change during the game that ended their playoff hopes. Fans were chanting for Heineke after the first couple interceptions. Did you have thoughts on how that 
change the mood or the game or the bench? Well, I, I, um, I don't know if that, that should impact how you perform or how you play or anything like that. I think it's really about you know focusing on what you have to do. Did you talk to Carson about that at all? Did you sense no. he was impacted by that at all? No, because again, like I said, you know we had that drive just before the end of the half, and I thought that really kind of just settled him down. I thought he did a nice job. I mean, 21 plays and. You know, however long it was, you know, those one of the things that you sit there and go, okay, you know, we got a little bit of rhythm going, and let's go, let's finish it. Did you think of switching to Taylor at all? I considered it, you know, but um, then they went up by 14, and I, I figured for sure we were going to be throwing the ball downfield. Yeah. Wentz is due uh, to make 20 million in base salary next year, 21 in 2024. I can't, I can't imagine him being back. I can't imagine. And at what point at what point do you just say I've made my money? I just I don't need this. Life's too short for this constant frustration and aggravation. I love a competitor who keeps, you know, banging his head against the wall even though the wall is winning, but uh at some point life's too short. I don't like being in the middle of this controversy. I don't like constantly being criticized. You know, I, I just I, I don't want to do it anymore. I just wonder at what point Carson Wentz is going to say I don't want to do it anymore. And will Carson Wentz happily accept being a backup somewhere? If that opportunity is even available to him, is he wired to be someone's understudy? I don't know. But that may be finally after getting thrown. Remember, we, we did the, the uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air thing. He got thrown out of his house in yeah. Philadelphia and family member took him in in Indianapolis. Then he got thrown out by the family member in Indianapolis and the strangers took him in in Washington. And it was like, this is it. This is your last chance. You better turn it around. And he hasn't. So yeah, no one's going to, he's not going to be a starting quarterback week one next year. Certainly not. And, and you know, I mean, if you're looking at that quarterback roster right now, who would you rather have for you? I mean, to, as a backup, right? Taylor Heineke or Carson Wentz? Was Car- I mean, Carson Wentz, I guess, came in last week against San Francisco when that game had already been decided, and then it was kind of like, oh, well, maybe he is providing a lift, providing a spark, and maybe he can do something. But it's not like the Browns have that good of a defense. Not only have they generated more takeaways in the last few weeks, but that's not a high-quality defense. It's just not. And the fact that you can only put up a 31.4 passer rating against that defense, against that team, that's a really, really bad sign. I, it. It's not good for Carson Wentz right now. Speaking of defenses, the coordinator in Washington is Jack Del Rio, and Ron Rivera stuck with him even despite some unfortunate comments about January 6th that were made, and who knows whether Del Rio is going to be there. Who knows whether Rivera is going to be there. Washington pops up as one of those potential hot spots. I, I just well, I think it's difficult. As you're getting ready to sell the team, it's difficult to right. – I mean, why would you fire the coach and hire a new coach at a time when you're thinking about selling the team? You just let the new owner decide what to do. But my point is this. If Del Rio is back, he's got inside information about Derek Carr. It'll be fascinating to see hmm. if the commanders get in the chase for Derek Carr because Carr became an MVP candidate with Del Rio as his head coach. He was a shortlist MVP candidate in 2016, was it? It was right. 2016. Yes. That was the year yes. that it was all working it was all clicking. There was that Thursday night game in Kansas City where Carr kind of fell out of the MVP conversation late season Thursday night game. But that was his first really good year. He had the broken ankle um, late in the year that, that kept yeah. him out of the playoff game that they had earned that season. So Del Rio knows 
and has opinions about Carr and maybe Carr, maybe, I mean, you know, the, the, it can be an attractive spot, Miles, for a veteran quarterback. It's even a place Tom Brady should take a look at. Not that you'd want to go play in that that venue as your home stadium, frankly, but yeah. the defense is pretty good. You've got a, a, a you know, a, a pretty damn good young running back in Brian Robinson. You've got a decent core of receivers that could potentially be great with the right quarterback, and the offensive line is good enough to buy Tom Brady enough time to throw the ball, whether it's Brady or somebody else. That's a fairly attractive destination for a veteran quarterback. I don't know who wouldn't want to throw to Terry McLaurin. I mean, that that dude makes plays, right? And Dotson, he's been making plays too. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, you, you brought up the whole ownership issue too. I mean, we, we really saw this with the Broncos, right? Unstable ownership situation. They bring in a head coach. Head coach is terrible. That new ownership just fires the head coach after one year. And Ron Rivera technically has been through this too with a franchise that sold you know, that's transferred ownership, right? David Tepper comes in. They give Ron Rivera a little bit more time. David Tepper ends up firing Ron Rivera, and then he goes to Washington. So it, it could be another similar situation where you have new ownership for that Washington franchise. They give Ron Rivera another year, and who knows what happens after that. So it, it's kind of a, a weird parallel that he's been through. I, I think he deserves another year. I think he's done a great job of keeping the team together in a season that very easily could have seen it fall apart thanks to all of the dysfunction originating from Daniel Snyder and that will linger even after he has signed the paperwork to sell the team if he indeed is going to do so. Let's take a break. What we're going to do this week, we got a special edition of PFT Live Mm -hmm. where we actually spend time talking about the Monday night game more than the final 90 seconds of the show because it's one of the biggest Monday night football games we've seen in a long time, especially late season. Bills at the Bengals. We'll get you ready for that when PFT Live continues right after this. Well, the... Kansas City Chiefs did their part to keep the heat on the Buffalo Bills for the number one seed in the AFC, although it did not look pretty, and it was far from certain. And to their credit, the Jerry Rossberg Denver Broncos acquitted themselves well. Russell Wilson wasn't horrible, which is an improvement. The defense, as you mentioned earlier in the program, you, as you mentioned earlier in the program, Miles, the defense, for whatever reason, has the Chiefs' number. It got very interesting, but the Chiefs did pull off the victory 27-24, which keeps them very much alive for the number one seed. They will be wearing orange and black tonight, watching the Bengals and rooting for the Bengals, who have mastered the Chiefs. Three wins over the Chiefs in calendar year 2022. If the Bengals can beat the Bills, then all the Chiefs have to do is beat the Raiders on Sunday, and they will be the one seed in the AFC, but the Bengals still have a path to the one seed. If the Chiefs would lose on Sunday, the Bengals win their final two. They're in. The Bills will lock up the one seed. Did they lock it up? No, they'd still have to win this weekend over the Patriots to lock up the one seed. Uh, it would be the Chiefs, as we talked earlier in the program, the Chiefs would have to lose to the Raiders on Saturday for that game to be irrelevant. But huge game tonight for that one seed, all-important one seed in the AFC, because if the road to the to the Super Bowl goes through Buffalo – That's a problem for the Chiefs. That's a problem for the Bengals. That's a problem for anyone that's got to go play there in January. 
yeah, it, this this series of games here between Monday night and then Saturday. I know you're just saying Sunday, but they play in the Chiefs are playing the Raiders on Saturday. So between yes, those Saturday. two games, yeah, yeah, yeah. they know who we mean. Yeah, I know, I know. But I just thought I'd take the chance to correct you because I like to do that Thank when you. I can. But between that, I mean, the Chiefs, the Bengals, and the Bills, in some way, shape, perform, or fashion, are going to be one, two, three in the AFC. And so you want to be number one, not only because you get the bye, but you also presumably won't face whatever other team that's in the top three in the divisional round. And that's going to be huge because if you can miss that, you know, and you're facing whoever else, whether it's the Jaguars or one of these, you know, three teams that are going to be a wild card team, that's what you would much rather do. Because with all due respect to all those other teams, especially the Chargers, who actually are really ascending right now, the three teams at the top are the three teams at the top for a reason. And I, I just feel like, you know, the Chiefs are in a really good position because I think the Bengals can really go out there and show the Bills that they have to play them in Cincinnati. I, I, this is a really, really interesting game tonight. Well, and look, the, the Bengals have... Uh an attitude that I just love. They don't consider this a measuring stick game. They are the measuring stick. You know, you got a tough schedule. No, everybody who plays this has a tough schedule because they have to play us. It's a, it's a great test tonight of their attitude. And I mean, God, the bills have won six in a row. The Bengals have won seven in a row. This just has playoff vibe to it because the consequences are so significant and look, Miles, you know, if you're the Chiefs, now this is loser mentality, but I'm a loser, so I'll go ahead and articulate this. If oh. you're the Chiefs, there's a silver lining to the Bengals losing tonight. Because if the Bengals lose tonight and then the Bengals lose to the Ravens on Sunday, the Bengals become the five seed. And the Chiefs quite possibly would avoid them in the divisional round. This Bengals team that has had the Chiefs number. Now, the winner mentality is we want the Bengals again. We want to rectify these three straight losses. We're not afraid of the Bengals. The loser mentality is maybe we can avoid playing the Bengals. Maybe the Bengals still have to go to Buffalo. Maybe there's a way even if the Bengals lose to the Bills tonight. So either way, either way, it's it's two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And, Miles, I with Jalen Hurts missing two, maybe three games to end the season – with Justin Jefferson being exposed as a mere mortal on Sunday, I think the MVP will be the quarterback of the team that finishes with the number one seed in the AFC, especially because Patrick Mahomes didn't have some, you know, Patrick Mahomes has been playing so well. People are like, well, maybe he's the MVP, even if they're not the one seed. I think that the MVP should be based on how everything's gone whoever the quarterback is of the team that emerges with that one seed in the AFC, whether it's Joe Burrow, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. And it's to be determined over the course of the next six days. I guess so. I I would argue that Patrick Mahomes is the MVP, regardless of whether they are the one seed or the two seed or the three seed, unless Joe Burrow goes out and he has two outstanding games. And then he would probably be the MVP in my book. I just feel like Josh Allen has had too many turnovers. I don't know what you just said. Okay. No, I said, why not Josh Allen? And you answered because he's had too many turnovers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he had two. He, he's just, and there are a lot of plays where, yeah, like jo- Josh Allen is great, and I don't, I don't want to diminish anything that Josh Allen has done, and I, I don't feel like I am. But when you have as many turnovers as he's yeah. had, 
part of that is like, all right, well, how are you allowing people to stay in games and things like that? I mean, this game tonight is going to have a lot to do with it, I think. But I, to me, if I'm handicapping it, I would say Mahomes, Burrow, and then Josh Allen. And, you know, you can, you, you can say any one of those guys in any permutation that you want, and you have a good argument for it probably. But that's the way I see it. I, I think Josh Allen has less around him, frankly, than Mahomes and Burrow. And even with the turnovers, if they get the number one seed because of the things he does well, they overcome all the opportunities they've given other teams to stay in games or win games. So it's, it's, I, I just think that once the dust settles on the season and we see who the number one seeds are, we feel differently. And, hey, maybe if the 49ers get the one seed in the NFC, maybe Nick Bosa gets some votes to become the first defensive player to win MVP since 1986 when it was Lawrence Taylor, and only third one ever, Alan Page in 71, was the other one. We'll take a break and wrap up this Monday edition of PFT Live right after this. Well, the Denver Broncos are looking for a head coach, and what a shock. The various Sunday splash reports. The Broncos want a coach with head coaching experience. No crap. They've had three straight coaches now who had no head coaching experience, and how's it gone for them? Not too good, especially with the most recent one. You never know what a guy's going to do as a head coach until he's a head coach. Jim Harbaugh has been a successful head coach at the NFL level, at the college level. He's won everywhere he's been. He immediately turned around the San Francisco 49ers, who were 6-10 and 10 and falling apart, took them to the brink of the Super Bowl the first year, to the Super Bowl the next year, and almost again the year after that. And we reported last night on Football Night in America, the Broncos have reached out to Jim Harbaugh to express interest in at least talking to him. Whether or not he gets an offer, whether or not he takes the job, that's all to be determined. But how could you not? Be interested in Jim Harbaugh, given what he's done and given what the Broncos currently need. Someone who can come in and be the CEO of the football operation. And whether it's Jim Harbaugh or someone else, it's got to be somebody who's done it before and done it well, Miles. Well, and and can come in there and provide immediate accountability and kind of, you know, kick a little ass, you know. I think that's exactly what the Denver Broncos need. I mean, Jerry Rosberg sort of tried to do that this week, and we saw how it kind of worked out. And it kind of worked. Look, I, and it kind of yeah, worked. It, it kind of did. But I, I think you'll get that even more with Harbaugh. I mean, they've always talked about how he can wear on people, but sometimes that's what you need as a franchise and as an organization. What the Denver Broncos have done since winning Super Bowl 50 is next to nothing. Right. So they need somebody to come in there, restructure that franchise and turn it into a winner, whether that grates on people. Maybe that's a good thing. I think that Harbaugh could work there. What, what, what a shock. What a shock that any person who happens to be highly successful in his or her chosen field may be a little eccentric, may be a little hard to deal with, may be a little demanding, may be a little bit of an asshole. What, what a shock that that would be the case. When you have somebody who is somebody highly like functioning and, and highly successful in their chosen field, right? <laughs> so you have to tolerate yeah. that. If you want to win, you got to tolerate the guy who's going to walk through the door and kick some ass. Especially yeah, when you just exactly. had the guy who walked through the door and didn't kick ass. And it showed from day one when they well, embarrassed yeah, it, themselves on Monday Night Football against the Seahawks. Are you done talking? I don't have any time to talk anymore. Happy New Year, everybody. You got enough. I left you a little time. There's still 15 seconds. Come on, man. You got to learn how to fill all the way to the post. You got to take it all the way to the post. You hear them counting? 
six, five. Happy New Year, everybody. Enjoy the football game tonight. We'll see you tomorrow morning. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.